Sorry, I just moved, and I don't know where anything is at my house, and so I guess that's translated to the office, and I got up here this morning without my uh, mic on. Way to start the new year, right? So this morning we want to talk about 2019, and we'll talk about uh, faith for our 2019 journey. We'll be uh, sticking with our series in, uh, in John Uh, We'll be in John chapter 6, verses 16 through 21. What we want to do is we're going to look at this text, and then we're going to spend the last 10 or so minutes uh, of of our time together looking at some vision uh, that we as pastors have. have, uh, We've taken our our seven core values, and for each of those kind of made an initiative uh, of some things that we want to accomplish this year. And I want to just share uh, those with you. Uh, as we begin the new year. But before that, and, and, and most importantly, we want to look at this amazing story that, that, is, uh, that we're all aware of, of Jesus walking on the water. Verse 16, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, And Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. This morning, we want to look at the fact that as we embark on a new year, our greatest hope for the journey is a God who ordains the path and goes with us on the journey. Matthew 14 kind of is the longer version of the story, okay, Uh, if we can say that, the more detailed version of the story, Matthew 14, which actually includes Peter. Uh, getting out onto the stormy sea with Christ. It's the same instance, the same, uh, uh, the same story. Just John is the short version, and, uh, and Matthew 14 is the longer version. So I'll be, I'll be using a few things out of Matthew 14 to kind of fill in some blanks and, and uh, to help teach us what's happening here in, in uh, chapter 6 of John. I want to look at four things. I think we can learn about the coming year and about our journey uh, from this story of Christ walking on the water. First of all, your God ordains the condition of your journey. Verse 16 and 17, it says, When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. So as they were starting their journey, very likely the skies were clear. We know that in this particular area, there was a tendency for storms to just come really quick, for you to maybe leave the shore, everything looking great, and before you're on your journey very long, in comes a storm. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been caught in a storm on a body of water, but it's a scary thing. We used to, uh, growing up, we striper fished. Uh, in, in Lake Greeson, and you had to be out in the deep water 
And so sometimes we would be out there fishing, and in would roll a storm. And, and the thing is, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go for safety. It's not like you can pull up to a gas station and, and get under a covered area or, or even under an overpass. I mean, you are out there exposed, and you have to he- try to head back to camp, and the rain stinging your face as you're, you're headed out there. But it's, it's a fearful thing. And so these men were out there. His disciples were out there. And Jesus wasn't with them at this point. And the storm is right, comes upon them. And they're fearing for their lives. They're scared. And so why, why the storm? Why are these disciples in a storm? Was it foolishness? Was it, was it disobedience? We know that that's why Jonah got in a storm, right? Jonah, who was supposed to go to Nineveh, uh, ends up getting on a ship headed the other direction. And what happens to that ship? It ends up in a storm. God's judgment, God's showing that something was not right in Jonah's life to correct Jonah's path. And so is that what is, that what is happening with the disciples? Have they been disobedient to Christ? Have they, have they disobeyed Him? We know from Matthew's account that that couldn't be farther from the truth truth, because it says in verse 22, immediately he, talking about Jesus, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Okay, so things were, you know, that we just had the feeding of the 5,000, everybody's excited. The disciples were wanting to hang out because, hey, we've gotten really popular because we provided food for the people. Jesus makes them get in the boat and head out on their own. So they were exactly where they were supposed to be. That's exactly where Jesus wanted them. So when life gets hard, sometimes we're tempted to think, well, man, life's hard. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. And that's not always the case. In fact, it's probably more often than not, that's not the case. It happens sometimes, like with Jonah, that it's God correcting you and showing you you're not where you need to be. But oftentimes, God is just ordaining hardship because He wants to demonstrate His glory. He wants us to grow through that hardship. We cannot always know the reasons why life is hard or easy, but we can know, what we can know for certain is that the God who loves us has placed us right where we need to be uh, to know and experience His amazing grace, to experience His glory. Whether or not your 2019 holds horrible surprises or wonderful surprises, more than likely, it's a mixture of both. What you can be confident in is that there is a God who loves you that has ordained what is coming into your path. Our God, second, our God sees you on your journey. Your God sees you on your journey. It says it was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. So in the, temp- the temptation in the dark and, and in the violence of the storm was to think that Jesus was unaware of the situation. They no doubt thought they were beyond His sight. We know again from Matthew 14, we know where Jesus was. Jesus sent the disciples away, and then he went on to the mountaintop to be by himself 
to have some time in prayer, to talk to his father. And so he was at a distance. But they thought that because of the distance that he didn't know the condition that they were in. Though they could not see him, his full gaze was upon them. Uh, I think about Job. There's some verses that, that I've always loved in Job because it, it gives testimony to the fact that at times Job, in his distress and in his agony, in his testing, he couldn't see God. It says in Job 23, 8, this was his confession. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But, and here comes the hope, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come, for, come out as gold. What a, what a, I mean, that's got to be what the disciples were experiencing. The darkness of the storm and the raging sea, it's all they could see. They probably couldn't see this far in front of them. And their Savior was off on a mountaintop somewhere praying. And they thought He was totally, absolutely unaware of what was going on. But the fact that they couldn't see Him never changed the fact that He knew exactly where they were. For He comes right where they are, right when they need Him to rescue them. There are going to be moments in 2019 when you lose track of Christ. You're going to lose track of Christ. It might go so dark that, that you at times can't even see that He's there. But though His disciples could not see Him, Christ saw them. And He used the storm that was raging as pavement to get to where they needed to be rescued. That's our Christ, folks. That's, that's our Christ. And, and, and our circumstances and the fact that we can't see a, a foot in front of our face doesn't change the fact that we have a Christ who sees us in every moment of our day, every hour and minute and second of our need. He sees us. You. Do not forget that no matter what befalls you in this year, the good, the bad, the one who loves you sees. As Psalm 56 promises in, in verse 8, it says that, that he, will hold, he holds every tear we cry in a bottle. Obviously, probably figurative. He probably act, doesn't actually have bottles of our tear, but it's a, a figure that's, that's meant to represent the fact that he'll, he numbers and knows every tear that we cry. And that same verse says, He keeps count of our tossing in the night. Those moments, those things, those, 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 those situations that come into your life that keep you tossing in the night, God knows every one of those. He's keeping count of your tossings. He's keeping count of your tears. In 2019, He knows every detail of the pain that you're going through. 
What a glorious, glorious promise that though you may be tempted to think he's far away and out of touch, he couldn't be more intimate in the details of your life. And third, our God who brings fear is ultimately our salvation on our journey or on your journey. Verse 19, when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. They saw Jesus walking on the water, and instead of celebration, there was dread, there was fear. Because initially they didn't know who it was. Okay, We've, If you've been in church, you've heard this story hundreds of times. It's like, cool, Jesus walking on the water. I've heard that story. But this isn't something that happens often, folks. This is something that had never happened. They're out in a boat in a storm, and something comes walking across the water. Now their first instinct isn't to go, oh, that's my teacher, that's my Savior. No, it's a water demon. I don't know what that is. I don't. It's this is a horror movie. Suddenly, this this disaster movie that we were already living in turned into a horror movie because I'm seeing a water demon. That's not normal. If you're duck hunting, someone comes walking not in the water with waders, but on top of the water, you run. And in that moment, because they didn't realize who Christ was, there was fear. This being that was walking on the water was more fearful than the storm they had been worried about. Do you remember the the other instance when when Jesus' disciples were caught in a storm? This time he was in the, on this instance he was actually in the boat uh, catching a nap. Um, with them and there was a storm they were all scared to death and he was sleeping soundly they go and wake him up he wakes up he he tells the the storm to calm boom clear skies calm waters what is the disciple what are what's the disciples response is it oh cool trick jesus is it a, a sigh of relief oh great the storm's gone no, Mark 4.41 tells us, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They were more afraid after the calming of the storm than they were afraid in the storm itself. Why? Because you can understand storms. Storms happen every day. But someone who talks to the storms and the storm listens and someone who walks across the water during a storm, that's a new category. That's something I cannot possibly comprehend. And it's scary if you don't fully understand the context of what's happening. Make no mistake, the main point of this text is not Jesus helps you in your storm. It's not Jesus walks with you through the storms of your life. The main point of this text is that Christ is altogether different. 
that he is bigger than storms and anything else on this planet because he is the supernatural creator of the universe. The purpose of John's gospel, as we know from his own, from what he says at the end of it, is so you may believe and have life. And so what John's doing throughout his book, he's laying out signs. He's, he's laying out these miraculous works, and this is the fifth sign of John's gospel. And what the main point is, he's divine. He's the Son of God. He walks on water. No one can do that. Unless they be altogether different. Unless they be of the divine nature. Or in Peter's case, being lifted up by the divine nature of Christ. It does not matter that he is with you through the storms until you realize his identity as the powerful, supernatural son of God. This, this brings life. And fourthly, our God brings us joy as he brings us to his, dest his destination for our journey. It says in verse 20 and 21, But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boats, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Christ identifies himself, and suddenly that fear that they were feeling melts away. And it turns, it says here, to gladness. Because if you, if you have seen a man using the stormy sea as pavement, then suddenly that storm doesn't seem so big, does it? You're glad to have that man with you because he's bigger. He's bigger. See, that's the thing about the power of Christ. It should be feared. If you have no confidence in your standing with the Son, then absolutely His amazing supernatural power should shake you to your core if you do not know whether or not He's on your side or not. The power of Christ should fill your heart full of dread and fear of His wrath, but when you realize that you belong to this powerful being, when you realize your union with him, when, when you realize your union with him, you have, you have, you know that that power is on your side, and that power is not there to destroy you. That power is there to rescue you. You see how everything changed for him? At first, there's, there's a creature out here walking around, they were even more scared of the storm than they were, or more scared of it than the storm. And all of a sudden, he gets closer. He says, I'm Jesus, I'm Christ, I'm your Savior. And then they're like, oh, get in the boat. And that fear melts away to gladness. That is, that's Christ. That's what happens in our union with him. We look at him. We don't understand him. We can't comprehend the amazing power and the wrath that he holds. But when we realize, and, and if we, make him ours, if we become unified with him in salvation, then, hey, I'm glad. I'm glad he's here because he is for me and not against me. Look at the interesting thing that happened next. It says, and immediately the boat 
was at the land to which they were going. I, I love the mystery here because it never makes it clear exactly what happened here. There are a couple of op- options. Did Christ miraculously bring them to their destination? Was there uh, a warp that, you know, that a black hole or something that he put the boat in and it came out right where they were going? Did he reach through time, pick out an Evinrude and, and set it on the back and strap it on and, and they got there? Maybe it was a supernatural work. But also, I think just as likely is, did they simply get caught up in, in worship of this amazing God? To suddenly realize that this, our teacher just walked across water in a storm and is now in the boat with us. Were they so caught up in worship and just the gladness that it says they had to have him in the boat that, the journey just passed. You know, have you ever just been enjoying yourself that time just goes by and suddenly maybe maybe the storm, you know, maybe the storm was still going on, they, but they didn't care. There was Christ was with them. We can't say for sure. Was it a supernatural or was it just pure unadulterated joy and worship that made the time pass? What we can say with absolute certainty is that the journey is better with Jesus. Listen to me. The journey is better with Jesus. Sometimes he will miraculously rescue you. Other times he will set with you in the storm and bring joy to you in the storm. But we will always find joy for the journey and we will always be right where we need to be when we are with I don't know what 2019 holds for you. Maybe 2018 was an awful year, and, and God says, "You know what? I'm going to bless, going to bless you with a, with a bit of an easier year, and, and you've got great days ahead." Or maybe God's ordained some really awful things to come to you this year. What I do know is that I, though I can't tell you what 2019 holds. I can tell you that the journey will be better when you gaze upon your Christ. When you dwell upon who He is, when you dwell upon what He has done for you on the cross, if you will put Christ at the center of your thoughts and your pursuits, 2019 is going to be a great year for you, despite what. So I want to encourage you to do that. And um, in our remaining time, uh, as we've kind of looked here personally at what 2019 may hold and how we are to cling to Christ, I want to I want us to observe just some vision for 2019, just some initiatives that we as pastors want us as a church to focus on in the coming year. And again, these are based upon we took our seven core values. And then for each one of those, uh, we, we have an initiative to, to make us live and have vision according to that particular value. Uh, the, our first value of, as a church, you can, if you don't know, those are in the bulletin. You can pull those out. 
uh, and read along with me. Number one, the supremacy of God. We will seek to encourage each other to make the corporate worship of our God a supreme priority to our families in 2019. We will seek to arrange our schedules to miss as few gatherings as possible. Um, there is a trend. Uh, as a pastor, there's a trend uh, that people are not as regular church attenders as they've always been. Uh, case in point, this year we gained, uh, not enormously, but we gained in membership. Uh, our average attendance uh, increased by one uh, for this year. So we made progress, not very much in attendance. We averaged 261 uh, in, in Sunday, on Sunday mornings. Now, I want to explain, as, as a church, we're very strict about how we do those numbers, and so we're a church that's on the go a lot, and so uh, up to five Sundays a year, we have as many as 25 people that are uh, out in New Mexico or over in Nic Nicaragua on mission trips, and we don't count those. They're not here, but we also know that they're not just unaccounted for, but we, we don't count them in the numbers, so... Uh, as well as when our youth have a camp and they're all gone and, uh, and, and they're not really gone. They're together and they're worshiping. And so there's some things that affect that number because we're very strict with that number that it's probably better uh, than, than what, what we may see when we first hear 261. What we would like us to see, like to see is just kind of try to shirk that that tendency that people are having of missing a lot and, and not being as regular. And, and there's a couple things I want you to think about. Um, as you plan your summer vacation, we understand that summer vacation you're probably going to have to miss. And that's fine. But maybe think about if you can, if you're going to be gone a week, then maybe, maybe try to leave after church on Sunday. And so maybe you only miss one Sunday instead of two or three or whatever, if it's possible. We're not Nazis. We're not going to be Nazis. We're not going to knock on your door. But we do want you to think about that, to think about making it more of a priority to be here in 2019. Um, I would encourage you to, uh, if you go to Sunday school, you can actually get online and just look at your attendance. You can look back at, at 2018 and see how often you've been there. If you don't know how to do that, you can call Nona and she can give you the information. Uh, but you can get online and look at your attendance for 2018, and you may be surprised. You may be pleasantly surprised. Hey, we were there a lot. Or you may be kind of surprised that, hey, we missed a lot, and we need to do better. Um, I would encourage you to maybe mark, if you have a calendar at your house, mark when you're here, when you're gone, just to kind of have a true feeling of, of how big of a priority worship is. And so, again, we're not, we're not going to call anybody. We're not going to send you angry emails, but we want you to think about that. Uh, even as you begin to plan your trips this year, that, that, that maybe plan them where you're not missing a ton of Sundays. Second is the centrality of the gospel. We will challenge each member of Wyatt Baptist Church to share the gospel with someone during the first half of 2019. We did this a couple of years ago, and so we encourage you 
by mid-year to share the gospel with one person. And when you do so, would you please just email one of us as pastors and say, hey, I got to share the gospel today, or I saw somebody at Walmart that I talked to, or someone at my job that we went out to lunch and, and we read the scriptures together. Just share with us those instances. We love to hear those stories, and it's a great gauge to see how we're doing as far as that, uh, that value uh, of valuing the centrality of the gospel. Third, the authority of God's Word. Each week we will communicate the Scripture text for the next Sunday sermon. That's something we began about halfway through this past year, is if you look at the bottom of the bulletin, uh, you'll see what the text is for next Sunday. And we will urge you to interact with the text before coming to worship the following Sunday. So we're looking at maybe doing some videos, some Facebook videos through the, uh, through the week to kind of just try to get, get us all in the text that's coming up this Sunday so that when Sunday gets here, it's not our first time to interact with that text. Fourth, urgency of global gospel mission. And for this one, the pastors will be creating a better system of communication with the missionaries our church personally supports. We want to serve you and our missionaries by keeping their work ever before your eyes. We will seek to have this in place by the midpoint of 2019. Uh, you know, our church, besides giving to the general fund of BMA missions, we, we uh, support individual missionaries. And you may not be able to list one of them. Maybe, maybe you can do better and list a few of them. Maybe you can list the countries that they're in. And we want to correct that. We want to we reach out to these missionaries, ask them for some communication with us, and, and we're going to put the, their names before you. So the reason we want to get this done by mid-2019 is by the end of 2019, I want you to be able to name most of the missionaries that we support. What, what country they're in and what their biggest prayer needs are. And so we're, we're seeking to get that going as fast as possible. And so I'm excited about that. I think it'll serve them better. It'll serve you better to know what your money's going to when you give to them and how to pray for them, how to keep them in your, in your prayers. Number five, generosity with our lives and possessions core value number five and this year our stewardship committee has presented an exciting but challenging bu budget that will require all of us to give sacrificially in 2019 part of this increase is to pay off our building debt as soon as possible we will better better communicate our progress in 2019 and will challenge our members to give to the budget that we voted to approve now uh, just a few weeks ago at our business meeting uh, our, our uh, Brother Chuck Flurry, uh, the, the uh, chairman of our stewardship committee, got up and just an amazing job, the most detailed report of, hey, here's what we're increasing, this is what we're decreasing, here's why, just an amazing presentation of why that stewardship committee has presented the budget that they presented, and we voted on it. There may have only been 100 people here, there, but now it's all of our responsibility whether you were there or not, to try to meet that budget. And it is a challenging budget. It is an increase of 10% over last year. Now, uh, I want to encourage you with this. The way we finish the year, uh, it will only be about an increase of 3% because we did so well and you went above and beyond and did an amazing job of stewardship last year. We're thankful for that. 
But make no mistake, we're going to have to up our game. Uh, we're going to have to, to think through what we give to be able to meet that challenging budget. And, and I'm excited. I love the fact that, you know, Brother Donnie's been saying uh, debt-free by 23, and that's, that's very possible, very possible. And the stewardship committee has said, Let, we can do better than that. We can do better than that. So they increase the amount we're paying for that building. And y'all, man, when you look at where we've come for in that building payment, the end is in sight, y'all. The, the, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm excited to see what Wyatt can do with, with that abundance of, of resources that we'll have, uh, church planning, mission work. And just our hearts have grown very big over the last decade or so since this building was built. And, uh, and without that building payment, man, I think, it, I think we're going to do some exciting, exciting things. So we want to get that behind us as soon as possible. So if you got any raises this year, be sure to think about that and be sure to increase your giving according to that or any way uh, that you might see that you can give uh, more uh, generously in 2019. Sixth is accountability and holy living. In 2019, we, we challenged our church to its first time of both prayer and fasting. In 2019, we will continue to promote initiatives to challenge us as a church to become more dependent on our great God through prayer. And so kind of at the end of the year, we, we had a time of prayer and fasting, and we want to do some more initiatives like that in the coming year because and we, we demonstrate our dependence on Christ when we pray. And we want to be a church that is not guilty of prayerlessness, but on the contrary, are, are very prayerful people. And lastly... Seven, uh, our core value is unity in Christ-centered community. By year end, we will present a five-year vision for Wyatt Baptist Church. It will lay out our preferred future in five years and the first steps to move towards that destination. We will, str we will strive to present a vision that the majority of our church can unify around for the glory of God. And so... Uh, Something that we have been convicted of as pastors is a lot of times we get caught up in what we need to do today uh, and, and this week and for this Sunday service that we, we're not visionary enough. And so we're trying to kind of put ourselves in a corner by promising you uh, that by year's end we want to present to you a five-year vision of where we want to be 20, 2025 and what kind of church we want to what we want to look at, what, where we want to be as a people, and how we're going to start to get there. And so pray for us, and, and I want you to know this isn't going to be the pastors getting together in a room and, and deciding what we want as a church. And I mean, we're going, to keep you, we're going to communicate with you, we're going to consult with you, and we're going to make sure that this is a vision that, uh, that matches first biblical uh, vision, but also just what we as a church uh, have unified around and have always unified around and what we want to unify around in the future. And so by year's end, uh, we want to have a clear a clear roadmap for where we want to be in five years and how we want to get there uh, as a church. So pray for us. Pray for us as we encourage you with these seven initiatives, as we keep these in front of you. Uh, pray for yourself as you rise to the challenge of these initiatives. 
And uh, we want to make sure that, that these are communicated and, and kept before you uh, so that we can be all that God desires us to be in 2019. But above all, above all, it's Christ, right? It's, it's knowing that Christ is with us for the journey to focus ourselves on him, on him, on who he is and what he has done. And so I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Maybe you want to pray. Uh, maybe you want to come down and, and just pray over these initiatives and pray that you as a church member would rise to the challenge of these initiatives and uh, just, just pray about the journey uh, that you're going to be engaged in in 2019 and just making sure you keep Christ at the center of everything that you do. I'm going to ask you to please stand, and, and we're going to pray, and I ask you to respond to God's word, however he has placed on your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for Christ. I thank you that though the journey gets hard sometimes, God, that we, we know that you are with us. That we are unified with Christ. That His power is for us. He is with us if we know Him as Savior. And God, I thank you for that promise. I thank you, or I, I pray, God, that, that we would be a church of vision in 2019. That we would rise to the challenge of these initiatives. That we would be better equipped and as we seek for all that you want from us in 2019. Most of all, God, help us to see our dependence on Christ and our need of Christ as we uh, endeavor these initiatives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Are you hurt?